0: Good morning, everyone. Hey Murray. Good morning. Come on in. Come on, have a seat so we're we 're trying to do a little better job of coming back in after that four minutes and and that 's why you heard that obnoxious beeping and um, I saw most of you blatantly ignore that beeping and so I think we need to try a little harder <laughs> okay um, I am not against connecting and and loving on each other uh, but four minutes is is a long time for uh, a guest would you agree okay well maybe we can talk about it later then I don't know All right, well, uh, if you turn your Bibles to to Mark chapter 12, uh, we're going to start there briefly and then we're going to spend most of our time in Colossians chapter 3. And so, um, as, as, uh, as you heard the song Heartbeat by Don Johnson, Sonny Crockett. Um, uh, it should remind you that we're in a a series here called Heart Check. Heart Check. You know, I really believe that God wants to do a heart check in each of us so that we can be the church that God's calling us to be, so we can do all the things that God is calling us to do. Um, But he's trying to make sure that we're ready for that. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31 says, One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So last week we talked about loving God, but specifically loving God out of a response of his love for us. Is that right? A grace-based relationship, not a law-driven performance-based relationship. And so now today, the heart check is, is not going to be about how we love God, but it's going to be our love for each other, and specifically, this church body, this church family, okay? Okay? Are we loving each other the way God commanded us to? Do we have a culture of loving each other at King's Corner? See, every year I talk about culture and specifically how we love God and how we love and treat each other in our church family. And we've even dedicated an entire wall to that, a culture of loving God. And loving each other. And so this is very intentional. Because I know that the only way, the only way we're going to be able to fulfill our vision and purpose to do what God is calling us to do. Is if we have a culture of love. If we love God. And if we love each other. Because it doesn't matter if, if we have the best Uh, musicians and the best singers and the best preachers and the best pastors and best programs and the best ministries but the vision will will only grow and flourish in a healthy environment, in a culture of love Pastor Chris Hodges Church of the Highlands in Alabama he says, culture trumps vision every time how many of you have heard me say that before? Culture trumps vision every time. Vision is the seed. Culture is the soil. Our vision is good. It's from Jesus. It's on this wall, right? But our vision of making disciples will only grow in good soil, in a healthy environment, a healthy culture, our vision of reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ, saved and healed and delivered and equipped and empowered, making disciples who are going to make disciples. That vision is only going to become reality in an environment, in a culture of love, Loving God and loving each other the way that God has commanded us to. So today, we're going to look at four ways to love each other at King's Corner from Colossians chapter 3. Go ahead, turn to Colossians chapter 3 in your Bibles. Colossians 3. Remember, this is a heart check today, right? So this is a word, this is a message in Colossians 3. This is a message to the church. It's a message to the body of Christ, to Christians, to King's Corner. And it's instruction from God in how to love each other the right way. Then next week, we're going to talk about how to love the lost. How to love the lost. Loving the lost. Okay, and actually, um, what I want to say next week actually inspired this series. So I really encourage you to come to the finale of the series in, in how to love the lost. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. So as God's own chosen people, who are holy, set apart, sanctified for His purpose, and well-beloved by God Himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other. If one has a cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourselves in unselfish, Love, which is the perfect bond of unity. For everything is bound together in agreement when one seeks the best for others. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in our hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I, I thank you, Lord, for, for showing up. We thank you, God, for your presence here. We thank you, God, for loving on us. And God, I just pray that we're going to get a, a, a new revelation, a deeper revelation, a better understanding of this, this, this commitment to peace that you call us to, God. This, this commitment to unity. This commitment to loving each other. And God, I just pray that we're gonna hear your voice today. And that we're gonna respond to your voice today. We're not just gonna be hearers of your word, but we're gonna be doers of your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's number one. These aren't in any order. Four ways uh, to love each other, based in in Colossians chapter three. Number one: care for each other intentionally. Care for each other intentionally. It's God's will and God's command for His family to treat each other right. Look at Galatians six ten. That's why whenever we can, we should always be kind to everyone, and especially to our Christian brothers. Others' translations say uh, to our household of faith, to our family of believers. And so this scripture helps us to see that this is intentional. It's intentional. How many of you intentionally got dressed this morning? You, You intentionally got dressed. Right? Or, or were you just walking out of your room and your clothes just jumped on you? Okay, if that's true, then, then we have a, a bigger problem here. Okay, we might have to pray for your clothes. Okay? Um, no, but, but of course, you had to make a decision of what to wear and then put it on. You intentionally got dressed. Okay, God is telling us that in this body, in our family... That we need to intentionally get dressed every time. To intentionally put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. To clothe ourselves, to wrap ourselves in what? In love. In unselfish love. So just like the clothes we're wearing, we need to intentionally put on those things when we come together. In in Sunday morning service, in life groups, in, when we go for coffee, when we go for meals, when we send that that text and that email, which we're much bolder sometimes when we send those emails in those texts, we gotta make sure that we've intentionally put on love. But this is an others first mentality. This is an others first mentality Colossians 3:14 says for everything is bound together in agreement when each one does what seeks the best for others We are so good at seeking the best for ourselves we're so good at that but this is not that this is seeking the best for others This call to peace, unity means to seek the best for others, to care for each other, is to acknowledge that church is not all about you. It's to acknowledge that you are not just here to be ministered to, but you're here also to minister. How many of you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus? We come here to love God and each other, right? So it's not going to be about, um, you know, only two people talk to me today and and no one asks me about my problems. Poor baby. But it's about how many people can I bless and encourage today? God, how are you going to use me today? And start getting excited about that. To care for each other is to acknowledge that you are not the only one with problems. You're not the only one that needs love and encouragement. And I promise you, I promise you that there's always someone hurting more than you are. Always. And one of the best things that you can do when things are not going your way is, is to help them go right for someone else. I really believe God honors that. He loves it when his kids love each other. It still warms my heart when I see my kids. My, my daughter's going to grade 11. My son's going into second year of university now. They're not little kids anymore. But it warms my heart when I see them love each other, when they hug each other. They still hug each other and they and they they sit at the kitchen table and look at their phones and laugh at things together, and and they express concern for each other. And I just really believe that when God sees us care for each other and love each other, that it warms his heart. But if we have an others-first mentality then everyone's going to be ministered to anyway, won't they? Right? It's just like in a marriage. If, if, if each spouse is committed to putting the other person first, then both spouses' needs are going to be met. If we're committed to putting others first, all of our needs are still going to be met. Because that's the beauty of unity and loving each other. And you know one of the biggest indicators i'm just going it's going to be real for a second here one i think one of the biggest indicators that that someone is committed to loving each other is when they come to church early okay this is not a shameless plug to be on time for service but i really believe that i really believe that and and and, you know, we have this a part of our dream team. Our dream team is all the people that serve at King's Corner Church. We have a 15-15 rule, right? Who remembers the 15-15 rule? Okay. <laughs> so, so the 15-15 rule for our dream team is to come 15 minutes before the service and, 15, and stay 15 minutes after. And the reason for that is so we can spend time caring and loving on each other. That's the whole purpose of that. And, and, you know, we've started some services with 30 people. And by the time I come up front, the place is full. But I was really encouraged this morning. Because when we started, there was almost this many people in here. And I was really encouraged by that. Because I think that means it's starting to get into our culture. Right? Of loving God and loving each other. Ideally, in my mind, personally, in my mind... I would love it for, for 150 to 200 people be in this room when we start that clapping pre-roll video that I still can't do. <laughs> because if we're all in here for that, that tells me that number one, we're ready to love God. But it also tells me that all those people had to be here early spending time caring and loving each other. hallelujah and let me tell you something when we do that our worship is going to be incredible because we've just spent 15 minutes fostering a culture of the love of God inviting his love into this place ministering, loving on each other caring for each other That worship experience is going to be out of this world when we do that. Trust me, it's going to be incredible. Caring for each other also means being willing to make friends. Being willing to make friends. You know, I recently read an article. I shared it with Pastor Phil and Pastor Mandy and and the article talks about how one of, the, one of the greatest reasons people leave church or stop attending church is because they have no friends. And, and one of the, the greatest testimonies, the common testimony is they're nice to me, they're nice to me, but nobody becomes my friend. And, and when there's all that friendliness and it leads to friendlessness, that's hurtful. That's hurtful and people leave. And people have left our church for that reason. And there's some people that in our church right now that feel that way. And, and that article cites that one of the, the greatest reasons that happens is because is people are too Busy. Can I just say that if if you're too busy to make friends, to have friends, you're probably too busy. Because loving people, loving people, loving each other in this family means making time to make friends. How many of you would agree that probably no one had more to do and accomplish than Jesus did? No one had a greater purpose than Jesus did. Every step that he took was ordered of God. Every minute of his life was the will of God for his life. I would, I would say Jesus probably did a hundred lifetimes of ministry in that three years. And yet, he still had time to go for a meal with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And when the children ran to him, he welcomed them and had time for them. He even went out of his way. He went a different route through Samaria to where he was going because he wanted to meet that woman at the well. He made time to make more friends. Jesus made time. He He was always available to make friends. Jesus even made a friend on the cross. (laughs) When he was dying, (laughs) Jesus still made a friend. Because when we create time for people, what we're saying is, I value you. I value you. I would guess that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people Thought that Jesus was their friend because he took time for them. He let them know that he valued them. You know, and we try to encourage this at King's Corner. We try to help people make friends. What's, what's the event that we have once a month that we try to help this at King's Corner? What are they called? Connect nights. I probably would have just walked off the stage if someone didn't tell me that answer. <laughs> <laughs> connect nights, okay? And so for this upcoming ministry season, once a month, we want to have a connect night. But listen, we need to change our thinking. Because I think some of us think, well, I don't need to go to a connect night because I'm connected, I've already got lots of friends, I'm good. We need to change our thinking to, I want to go be a friend. I want to go help someone connect. I want to make time to care and love for people, amen? So number one, we need to care for each other intentionally. Number two is don't be touchy, don't be touchy, okay? If, if we're really, yeah. No, I know our church is touchy physically, but I'm I'm not talking about physical touch. Um, If we're really loving each other the way God wants us to, then we're not going to be so sensitive and so easily offended. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be so touchy. turn to your other neighbor and say, get over it. Some of you are enjoying that more than you should. You're like, finally I can say it to this person. Get over it. 1 Corinthians tells us what real love is. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Man, I love that. I wish I could be that more often. (laughs) But man, I love that. One of the benefits of putting on love is that it prepares us for the opportunities that will come for us to get offended. Colossians 3:12 says put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Watch this, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. We need to stop being so surprised when someone hurts our feelings. We should expect injustice and unpleasantness and many opportunities to get offended. Do you know why? Because the church is filled with people. Romans 3.23 says, Since we've all sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God, every person in our church has made mistakes and we will continue to make mistakes. There are no perfect people here. And that's actually good news. Because first of all, that means you qualify for God's love. First Peter 3.9 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. You qualify for that if you were a sinner. Here's the other reason why it's good news. It means you belong. You're just like everyone else. You're imperfect. Welcome to the family. But because we're imperfect, that means there's no such thing as a perfect church. But every church, including this one, is full of imperfect people who are all on the same journey of becoming like Jesus and none of us have arrived yet That's an important word <laughs> Not even brother bridal <laughs> He he's been at this being a Christian thing for almost 75 years I don't even know where to begin with all the issues that this guy has. <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. <sighs> so if there's only one person in a church, that church has got issues. I read a story about this person that was lost at sea for, for a number of years. And uh, turns out he actually got to uh, a, de- a deserted island. And, um, and so he was on that island by himself for, for years until he got rescued, he got saved. And uh, when they came to save him, they noticed that he had built some structures. He actually built three structures on this island. And... Uh, and so they asked him about these structures. He said, oh, well, the first one, that's my home. That's, that's where I've lived for these number of years. And the second one, that's, that's my church. That's where I go to church. And uh, he said, well, what's that third one? That's the church I used to go to. <laughs> I've probably told that three or four times. I just love that one. Proverbs 14.4 says, without oxen a stable is clean. Without oxen, a stable is clean. So if there's no oxen in the stable, that means that there's no ox poo. That means it's clean. But if there is oxen in the stable, then you can expect there's going to be some ox poo. Likewise, if the church has no people, it's going to be great. It's going to be so clean. It's going to be wonderful. But if the church has people, you can expect, I'll let you fill in the blank. So let's stop being surprised. Let's expect there's going to be some ox poo. And let's make a decision right now to not be sensitive about it. Can we do that? But let's choose to forgive. Number three is pre-forgive. Pre-forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, willingly forgive. Willingly means choose. It means you have a choice. Every time you have a choice to forgive. Willingly forgive each other if one has a cause for, or for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you So you should forgive. So we're to forgive the same way that God forgave us. Well, how many of you know that God pre-forgave us? He pre-forgave us. Right? Jesus died long before any of us were ever born. Right? It's making a choice to love people and forgive people before they hurt your feelings or before they sin against you. But the forgiveness of our sin is a finished work of the cross over 2,000 years ago. God died for our sin, past, present, and future. It's all been covered by the blood of Jesus. God has pre-forgiven us. He's already made a choice to love us and forgive us by dying for us. How many of you know Romans 5, 8? But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God chose to forgive us while we were still sinners. And so the way that we share and the way we partake in that forgiveness is in our relationship with God through Jesus. So when we come to faith in Christ, we partake. In that finished work, in that forgiveness that's already there for us, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Ephesians 4:32 says, be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you past tense. When did he forgive you? He forgave you in Christ. When Jesus died for your sin and when you came into relationship with him through Christ, you shared in that forgiveness. And we maintain that participation in his forgiveness through confession and repentance, don't we? Right? But God pre-forgave us. We need to forgive like God. We need to demonstrate our love for others by choosing to forgive them, now, right now, before they do anything against us. If you set your mind and your heart to that, what a difference it's going to make. At King's Corner, we value peace more than being right. I want to say that one more time. At King's Corner, we value peace more than being right to make peace means we need to do one of two things forgive or say sorry is there someone in this room you need to forgive I'm going to pause and make this as awkward as possible for you Is there someone in this room that you need to say sorry? Is there a discord? Is there an underlying tension whenever you're in each other's presence? Be a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. What an honor. What an honor. Peacemakers are humbled. You know, peacemakers, they say sorry even if they didn't actually do anything wrong. Peacemakers, they're not afraid to look weak by saying sorry. They're not afraid that if I say sorry that that they're going to think that I'm actually saying I'm wrong. (laughs) Peacemakers don't care about that. They just want to honor God. Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you and me. Live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. It has nothing to do with the other person saying sorry. It doesn't even matter if the person's not sorry. Right? as far as it depends on you god calls you to live humbly and do the right thing when the right thing might not be happening to to you matthew 23:12 says for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted you know what our flesh our sinful nature it wants to be exalted it wants that person to come groveling at our feet. Doesn't it? But God says to get high, you got to first get low. God says he'll exalt us when we humble ourselves, when we make peace, when we say I'm sorry, when we choose love over being right. Right? I love this scripture in James 1:19. Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful and thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words and slow to anger, patient, reflective and forgiving. I wonder how our culture would change uh, when, when someone is, is, does something or says something that's hurtful to us, but instead of us being quick to anger and quick to resentment and quick to offense, right? That we're instead slow to anger and reflective. I really like that word reflective. You know what? Let's just take a minute. Hold on a second. I, I know this... This person just said that thing. It, it did hurt my feelings. But let's just think about this for a minute. That's not even their personality. You know, that's not even their heart. They, they, they don't want to hurt me, right? Or maybe, you know what? That is their personality. They're, they're not really sensitive. And that's just kind of, that's just kind of how, they, how they're built. And, and they kind of just say things abruptly. So maybe I shouldn't be so touchy. Right? And, and maybe it was intentional. And then you got to start being reflective of why. I wonder why they said that. I wonder if there's something that I've done. I wonder, if, I wonder if I should be apologizing to them for something. Maybe I've hurt them, and that's why they're hurting me. Right? Maybe they're going through a difficult time. And i got to just give them some Grace. I'm just going to let love cover a multitude of sins this time. Does that sound good? Just take some time. Be reflective. And then what if we start to even be reflective of the cross and of our Savior and all the things that God and Jesus has forgiven me for because nothing Anyone has done to you is going to be as bad as what you've done to God. Nothing. And we start to be reflective of Him and His love and His grace. Instead of picking up offense, we just step over it. Instead of picking up offense, we just choose to forgive. Hallelujah. What a culture. What a church. Wouldn't that be amazing? Here's number four. Worry about the log in your own eye. Lots of us know this scripture in Matthew chapter seven. I'm gonna read it from the English Standard Version. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye for me, for you, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrites! Take first the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, part of putting on humility and clothing ourselves this way is understanding that none of us are in position to judge. None of us are in any position to judge. Jesus told the angry mob, he who is without sin can do what? Cast the first stone. See, that judgmental spirit, it it comes from a legalistic place. It comes from a I'm better than you kind of place. And it's ugly. I've seen it in this church, and I've seen it in my heart, in my life. It's ugly. And the enemy uses it to accuse the church and bring division. Judging others promotes the enemy's plan for the church. Let me give you an example of a legalistic attitude when we start judging other people. So, so we see someone do something or say something, and right away we judge them based on their, their action. But in Romans, I think, chapter 2, it says we can't judge because we do the same things, don't we? So, so they've said something, they've done something, we judge them based on their action. But when we say the same thing and when we do the same thing we don't judge ourselves that way we judge ourselves by our intentions and we give ourselves a break and we give we give ourselves grace right well I didn't mean it that way well I, you know I didn't I wasn't trying to do that I was just you know and we try we try to give ourselves a break right um, but we don't give that same grace to other people than we give ourselves. Instead, we assume the worst of them and accuse them of their bad intentions and acu- uh, accuse their, their heart because of what they've done. And that's very legalistic when we only judge by deeds. But how many of you know that God examines, thankfully, our, our hearts, he examines and judges our hearts. And so if we're to love others the same way um, that we love ourselves, like the commandment in Mark chapter 12, then we're not going to be quick to judge and condemn, but we're, we're going to be quick to give the benefit of the doubt and, and think the best of people and, and not be so touchy and forgive people. And we're going to let jo- God do his job and he's the judge. We're not the judge, but he's the judge. Right? And that humility, that's going to foster that culture of love instead of that culture of judgment. So we're going to care for others intentionally. We're going to be willing to make friends. Don't be touchy, expect some poo. Pre forgive. Be willing to say sorry and worry about your own log. Does that sound good? Can we do that? Can we commit to that as a body, as a family? I really believe that when we learn how to love each other the right way, that we're just going to be unstoppable in the kingdom of God. When we love him and love each other, we're unstoppable. We are unstoppable. I think this city needs an unstoppable force. Don't you? We can be that. We can be that. It starts with love. Love God and love each other. Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team up. And so the reason we do this is we always want to give you an opportunity to respond. Just respond what God's doing in your heart throughout this message, whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, and give you a chance to respond to that. Whatever that, that, that call is, whatever, whatever that tug on your heart is, um, respond, respond. And so when we sing this last song, uh, you can stand. You can sit. um, You can come to the altar. Our prayer team today is going to be at the front during this last song. Our prayer team is going to be at the front. And and I just want to encourage you, whether you're standing, you're sitting, you're at the altar, respond. Respond to that tug. Respond to what God is saying and doing in your heart. Amen.
1: Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. And let the king of my heart be the shrine. You are good You are good Oh you are good You are good Oh you are good You are good Oh you are good You are good Let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. Oh, He is my song. Let the King of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, He is my song. Cause you. Are You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down You're never going to let, you're never going to let let me down I declare it You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down
0: here so we're we're, we're officially dismissed and then about five to seven minutes if you're interested in coming to uh, just a very short congregational meeting then I'd like to invite you to come back uh, in about five to seven minutes okay God bless everyone we're dismissed this morning